Welcome to The Snap with Alexis Perry and Sydney Jones. Welcome inside the UC Health Training Center for the latest edition of The Snap. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Sydney Jones alongside my co-host Alexis Perry. And today's show will be focused on all things training camp. Now that it is day 15 of camp, there's only two more days left until the Broncos decide on their 53-man roster. Alexis, can you believe training camp is almost over? Sydney, I cannot believe how fast these past few weeks of training camp have just flown by, especially in comparison to last year's training camp, which was my first training camp with the Denver Broncos. It was super long. It went from July 18th to August 13th. There was a Hall of Fame game at the beginning of August, a total of five preseason games for the Denver Broncos. So I feel like this year without preseason games and just the abbreviated training camp due to COVID-19, things have moved along a lot faster. One person who I know would agree with me is side reporter for your Denver Broncos on KOA radio and friend of the Denver Broncos, Miss Susie Worgen. Susie, thank you so much for joining us on the snap to talk a little Broncos camp 2020. Absolutely. It's so fun to be with you ladies. We're definitely going to want to touch on your amazing career here in just a little bit. But first things first, we saw you out at camp last Friday preparing for the stadium practice on Saturday, which you were on the radio broadcast for. Overall, what were your impressions of this Denver Broncos team on Saturday? Saturday was uh, was really interesting out there at the scrimmage, and I think that Drew Locke uh, put it best so we didn't have to say it. He said it wasn't a good day for number three or the O, and he was correct in saying that. Um, although I don't think it was maybe as bad as he thought it was, because I saw some passes that were caught, but there were also some that were dropped. Um, So I think that we're going to see a a major learning curve, and it's not just going to be the Broncos. It's going to be every single NFL team because we didn't have those preseason games. Like you mentioned, Alexis, last year we had five of them. We're like, oh, my gosh, is this ever going to end? (laughs) But when you have none, it's like, oh, my gosh, whoa, what's going to happen through September? So I think we're going to see a lot of growing pains with this Broncos offense, new offensive coordinator, some new parts and pieces and you know the defense I'm sure will have their moments as well but I think they're in a little bit better place because a lot of them are back there you know we still have a lot of the same um, numbers and faces and names back there so that's going to be a lot of the same but I am going to be very curious to see what happens come September 14th which seems like I mean you talked about how fast training camp went I'm like oh my gosh we have a game in less than two weeks now and you know I remember back in whenever it was in the draft, like, oh, we got six months, you know, the stadiums will be packed, everything will be over by then, it's all going to be great. Well, it's not, and it's going to be really, really different in so many ways, and it's going to be really different for these teams to try and, you know, jumpstart a regular season game without any preseason games. More hurdles every team in the NFL is going to face this season is empty stands, simulated crowd noise. I mean, Susie, you saw it on Saturday. Do you think these circumstances are going to affect the players during that Monday night opener against Tennessee? Yeah, it's a little weird. I heard Dalton Reiser do a radio interview this week, and he said, you know, if you close your eyes, you can almost imagine the smell of popcorn and people, but then you know it's not really real, and so it's not really there. It's not as loud. I was surprised it was as loud as it was because – until I'd gone to practice that scrimmage on that Saturday, I'd only watched Rockies games and, and some baseball games where you hear it. And I'm like, so I wonder how loud it is. And then they, you know, pump it up a little bit more when there was like a good play or something like that. And they did do that on Saturday. I noticed whoever was operating, it was, was going in line with what was happening with the plays and Connor McGahee was doing the public address announcing. So it was like we were going to be there. And I thought, well, it's, it's, 
still loud. I mean, there's a pretty good sound system there. The music was really loud. <laughs> and so I think it's not going to be, you know, we talk about how we're going to be able to hear what everybody's saying. And there probably will be times when we will hear that. But I think they're also going to try and fill it as much as possible with those sounds. It was so weird only being able to hear the players during that stadium practice. Even though the crowd noise was pumped in, the fact that there were no fans there just felt so wrong. Yeah, and because we do that all the time at practice. We're like, this is nothing different. We hear this all the time. So <laughs> to have that game time experience is very different um, to, to not have anybody there and not have your people that are dressed up and screaming and yelling names and, you know, doing whatever John, whatever they are at, at the players or, and, and the, what we're going to notice it the most, I think is like when we have a final two minutes and the game is on the line and when things get, I mean, there are times when I'm literally sitting down there in the sidelines and I have my earpiece and I can't hear anything because it is so loud. And I just don't know that they can, there's, there's no way to emulate that. You cannot emulate 76,000 people and the noise that they make. Well, I think one of the biggest storylines surrounding this team throughout training camp, or maybe the biggest storyline, has been the injury bug that has really stung this team. Good news on Tuesday, we saw guys like Todd Davis, KJ Hamler, Michael Ojemudia, Juwan Winfrey, and even Elijah Holder back in pads doing rehab on the sideline throughout practice. So it looks like there's a little bit of progress happening there. But Susie, how do you think all of these injuries might affect the Broncos heading into the season? Well, the one I'm worried about is Bradley Chubb. And I know nothing has really, not a lot has been said, but there's been three practices so far where he has sat out. So that one kind of worries me because those ACL injuries, those are tough ones to come back from. And, and this team needs Bradley Chubb. We saw where we could have used him a few times last year. So I think that could be one that we keep an eye on. Um, the other ones, I mean, they're going to happen. And again, I think it goes back to an and Thankfully, the Broncos have a phenomenal strength and conditioning program, and they've been working on this all along. They know what's coming. You know when you get to game day, when it's real time, um, that's when those real bad injuries can happen because your muscles aren't used to things. They aren't used to stuff. I do also think that sometimes preseason goes too long and guys get worn down. So I think there's got to be maybe in the years to come, there'll be this happy medium where we're like, okay, let's get people ready, not completely wear their bodies out so that they're, you know, kind of hosed for the regular season, but find that happy medium, just as if you're getting ready for a marathon or something like that. I've got a half marathon coming up on Saturday. And so you kind of get ready for it and then you taper down a little bit and there's not really a good taper time anytime I don't think in the NFL right now so we'll see those injuries creep in but I just don't know it's so hard to tell right now how they will affect certain positions because well we still got to figure out who's going to make the team on Saturday right and then kind of see where all of our our pieces fall in well other than injuries what do you think some of the biggest downsides are to having zero preseason games and really no live periods for the Denver Broncos yeah I think that's the biggest thing is that in the past, they've had a chance to go up against other teams. They've many times brought another team in to give them that experience of not only having a preseason game, but having some practices against another team. They get so tired of practicing against each other. And there just hasn't been a ton of the, you know, take them to the ground, a lot of tackling, things like that. And I think that's where it, guys that haven't been in an NFL game before, and we've got a fair amount of rookies just like any other year, but if they haven't been thrown to the ground by an NFL player, it's different than it is in college. And that's your welcome to the NFL moment. And if that happens on Monday night football. You're the final game of the whole weekend. Um, ouch. You know, that could be a rude awakening for some guys. 
Now, Susie, you touched on Drew a little bit earlier. Yes, he did not have the best day on Saturday, and he was the first one to admit it. But a lot of guys are saying that he has progressed a lot at camp. And Cortland Sutton, he met with the media on Tuesday and spoke about it. You know, he's pushing himself to be perfect in just about every aspect of the game. What do you think is going to be the biggest improvement we see in him this year? I think just, you know, it seems like he has spent um, as much time as he could with restrictions that are in place with guys, with the receivers. So I think that's going to be great. I feel like they're all on board with him and mentally that makes a huge difference. You know, you have to have all of your guys, your wideouts, your running backs, your tight ends buying into your quarterback and your offensive line, obviously too. And they want to be able to protect him. So I feel like they all believe in him and And we saw that really in the last five games of the season last year, where all of a sudden, I mean, there was a huge switch and not that, you know, I'm not saying they didn't believe in Joe Flacco, but there wasn't, I don't know if that chemistry was completely there. I mean, there were times when you'd see Joe by himself and I'm like, wait a minute, isn't he kind of supposed to be the guy that's like in with everything else? And and he's not. Whereas Drew is like in there and he's rapping and he's doing this and, and they all gel. I feel really well. And that's half the battle. So if you can gel, mentally and then get on the same page with your plays and everything else I mean you're in such a different league than a lot of teams where they just don't have that and we've seen it here in Denver before you see a a Jay Cutler or you know Kyle Orton where we've had problems where they just they don't get the buy-in from everybody else and then they're kind of on an island and it just it doesn't work you've got to have everybody all on the same page and they they kind of need to like each other I mean we all work with lots of people. You don't love everybody that you work with and want to go out to dinner with them. But if you kind of like them and you can work together, you can do a lot of great things. And it's just like anything else. Simon Fletcher actually mentioned on the live stream yesterday, just that chemistry mm-hmm. on a team is almost the most important thing. You can know the playbook, but if you guys don't have any chemistry out there, if you guys don't really like each other all that much, it's going to be really difficult to win. People underestimate the powerful, uh, the, the power of the locker room and how important it is for, and, and we see it, the, the regular fan doesn't get a chance to see it, but we feel it and see it when we walk into a locker room sometimes and you're like, ooh, this does not feel right. You can just feel the negative energy and then other times you can walk in and you're like, whoa, this is special. And I go back to, and this will date me to when the Rockies uh, in 07 were going through their run in, in September and, and went into October and went all the way to the, the World Series. And there was just, there was an energy and an electricity that you can't describe. You can just only feel it. And then you just get swept up with it. And they were swept up with it. And that is, you, you can't underestimate that because it is extremely powerful. We talk about the chemistry in the locker room and how much the rest of the team hypes up Drew Locke and supports him, but there's a ton of pressure on Drew being QB1 this season. Do you think he can handle it? I do. I do. I think that, you know, he's a he's kind of a, a happy-go-lucky guy and things seem to just kind of, um, you know, just slide right off of him, so to speak. But as you start to then realize more and more that, okay, I am the guy. And oh yeah, that's right. John Elway was a really good quarterback here one time. Oh yeah. And he's my boss, isn't he? Okay. So maybe some things start to kind of really sink in like, oh, holy, you know what? This is uh, happening. (laughs) So, but I I just feel like he's one of those guys that he can handle it. Um, He's got a great support system. I mean, I, I follow his dad on Twitter and his dad and mom are so supportive and he's got support from the organization and his teammates. So I think if he can look at all that and say, okay, Uh, you know, I'm not all by myself. I know some things. It's not always going to go perfect. It's not always going to be W's and there's going to be days that just aren't mine, but I feel like he's got the wherewithal to be able to handle that. 
I have to know who is one guy that you are really looking forward to seeing on the field in 2020. Well, I loved watching Dalton Reisner last year, and he's also one of my favorite players. And to do what he did in his first season, I, I can't wait to see how he progresses and how he, I think, will probably end up taking over a, a really big leadership on this offensive line. And I think, you know, he's having to probably. I don't know, nobody has said this, but I think put his arm around Garrett Bowles and say, okay, here we go. And even though he's younger than Garrett, doesn't have the experience, he's got a little more of the um, the leadership capability, I think, to kind of say, all right, here we go. And, and now that he had the success that he had last year, guys are going to listen to him and he's pretty darn good. So I can't wait to see where he goes and tries to take this offensive line to a new level and protect Drew Locke because that's super important. And then maybe throw Philip Lindsay around a little bit more like he did last year, which was always fun. And then it became illegal, but you know, it's all right. <laughs> Susie, Alexis, one guy I'm really excited about this year is Bradley Chubb. And I know we talked about his ACL tear earlier in that he's been out of practice the past three days, giving his knee a rest, but think about the immediate impact he made his rookie season. I know Denver has high hopes for him this season. I'm just hoping he's going to be okay and ready for that season opener. Yeah, those are both really great choices. For me, I don't think I'm really excited to see a particular guy. I mean, there's a lot of great players on this team right now, but for me, I'm really excited to see how a particular position group is utilized. The running back room for the Denver Broncos is absolutely stacked this year from Philip Lindsay to Melvin Gordon, Royce Freeman to Levante Bellamy. I mean, this team has so many options at the running back position, and I'm really excited to see how Pat Shermer utilizes his two Pro Bowl running backs. I think back to 1995 when the Denver Broncos drafted Terrell Davis, and I think the reason why John Elway signed Melvin Gordon this year is because he remembers what it feels like to be a quarterback and have some of that pressure alleviated from him. I think that's what he did for Drew Locke. He brought in Melvin Gordon, who was a great complement to what they already had in Philip Lindsay. And then those two, in addition to the weapons that he already had on the offense, including Cortland Sutton, and the weapons that he added during the 2020 draft, all of a sudden you look at this Broncos offense and it is so balanced. Drew Locke has so many options. He knows that he can run the football effectively with Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay. I cannot wait to see how Pat Shermer, usually a bell cow back kind of guy, uses two running backs, even at the same time, to help alleviate some of that pressure from Drew Locke and win football games. Well, they're also different players, different builds. And I think that's the one thing that we have to look out for Philip Lindsay. He cannot take a beating um, on every single play. And he will let himself take a beating because he's not afraid to just, you know, run up the middle and get hit. And his he's not built for that. He just isn't. He's just of a smaller statue. So when you bring in running backs that are of different sizes and statures, that's going to help in different down situations. And that's going to be a huge key for longevity, not just for Drew Locke, but so we actually have some running backs in there and uh, and have some, some a core to, to, to draw from. All right, Susie, Alexis, I know we could talk training camp all day, but let's switch gears now. As both of you know, one of our main goals on the snap is to highlight women's impact and influence in and around the Broncos organization. And what a pleasure it is to have Susie Wargen on our show. Susie, let's dive into your career now. For those at home who don't know, can you just describe your role going into your second season at KOA? Well, it's changing by the day, I feel like. So it's kind of, 
you know, I just found out last week and, you know, it's kind of been a mystery. I'm like, am I even going to be involved? You know, what's going on? Normally, if we were in a normal, you know, there's no more normal anymore, but I would be traveling with the team and on the sidelines for every game, getting the first interview off the field, going in the locker room afterwards and, and getting interviews for our post game show. None of that's going to happen this year. I do get to be at the home games. They're having about 35 ops people from what I understand that'll be in the front row of the West stand. So I'm one of those 35, which I am very thankful for. And actually, you know, not being very tall, I'm able to see better. I think this, <laughs> you know, cause usually I'm like trying to look over a whole bunch of guys at the other end and can't see anything. Um, but, um, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to do that, but I'll still, you know, talk with Seth Medvin, who's a, my PR guy there on the sidelines about injuries and things like that report back up to the booth. So it's a very, very different looking sideline gig this year. I'll also do pregame interviews. Dalton Reiser is one of my, my usual suspects for that, but we'll do that via zoom. I think this year or some kind of, uh, you know, phone or, or, um, you know, ISDN or something like that, not to get too technical on people, but, um, it, it won't be the same. I love being able to be in that moment after a game, especially after a win, getting that first interview coming off and, and just getting that, I love energy and I love the, those moments and, um, you know, figuring out on the fly what questions to ask. You know, you got a chance to ask two questions and, and capture that moment. So I will greatly, greatly miss that. I'll miss traveling too because I love going to some of these other cities and seeing other stadiums. We were Except go for Buffalo, right? Well, Buffalo and then the KC game. The KC game was really that was that, that snow game. I'm forgetting about the really cold games that I had to endure last year, Alexis. So I'm just thinking about the nice ones. But I was thinking about the fact that the Raiders have a new stadium. The um, Chargers have a new stadium. We we're going to get to see those this year. We were supposed to go to London. Mm. I mean, you know, that's uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really missing out that we don't get to do that. But I'm just thrilled that we're having football and that we're able to, uh, I'll be, I'll be able to be a part, at least the home games. Well, Susie, I absolutely love that we get to hear your voice on game days, given you have been such a staple in the Denver sports world for decades. You've had such an amazing career, both on radio and television. But for those who don't know, how did you get your start in broadcasting and what has your path looked like since then? Oh, it's been kind of interesting. Thankfully, um, I've been able to do all of my career in Colorado. So I went to Colorado state. I grew up in Broomfield. I'm a fourth generation Coloradan and um, my degrees in speech communications. And I wanted to do radio or TV, mostly radio. I really wanted to be in music. So that's kind of where I started. I worked at KTCL um, from there, worked at KBPI. Then I was like, you know, I love sports. So I'd like to start doing some sports. And I got a job at KOA. And um, then I was like, well, maybe I do want to do TV. So <laughs> I was able to get a job at Nine News. They actually, um, I did an internship there far after I was done with college. But, um, and then they gave me a, uh, a weekend preps job having zero TV experience, which was just mind blowing to me. I can't believe I got a job in Denver doing that. But so I really kind of learned on the fly how to do TV, but I was there for 13 years and got to do some pretty phenomenal things. And then, um, and then just like, you know, life happened. I, I was starting our family at that time. And by the time I'd been in the business of TV for a while and getting up at one in the morning, going in at three o'clock and having kids, it was really hard. So I was like, you know what, time to step back and do something different. So 
I decided to kind of retire from TV basically and uh, I got my real estate license so I do that full time when that happened the radio station came back to me and they're like hey you want to work for us again and I'm like no I'm gonna do I want to get out I need to be with my family and and do real estate and they said well what if you just do like a two-hour show with Dave Logan in the afternoons and I'm like well just two hours I could probably you can't do say that. no to Dave Logan <laughs> I can't no and I'm like it's Dave it's my work husband you know and so we did this show for <laughs> like three years and then um and things kind of morphed you know we changed stations did that and then when he went to the mornings and got teamed up with Rick Lewis I was like you know what at that time I just couldn't devote that kind of time to it because I was starting to get very busy with real estate and um so then they said well what about doing the Fox and going back to the FM dial and, and our GM at the time he didn't know that I had done all those years of FM radio so he's like does she even know how to do uh DJing and they're like yeah she she's been there done that so so I've been uh, I've been very very fortunate and then last year I get a call in the summer and it was our GM and he's like hey remember a few years ago when you said if, if the Broncos sidelines ever came up that you'd like to do it and I'm like yeah why because the last thing I needed was another job but he's like well it's open do you want it and I'm like okay so I called my family and they're like why are you even asking us just go do it that's like a dream job go do it so so I did it so there's the very condensed version of um, my life since 1992 <laughs> It's been kind of crazy. I've been very, very, very fortunate. I've met some phenomenal people that have really been very, uh, you know, huge catalysts in me moving forward to another level. And uh, that's been a huge part of it. I've had some very important um, male and female, you know, program directors, news directors, and it's been, it's been great. But I always tell people, I'm like, you have got to network. You always have to network because you don't know when things come back around. I mean, I now work with people that I worked with 20 years ago and, you know, all the time that I spent with the Broncos back when I was at KOA, so many of those people are still here. I did John Elway's show when I was at Nine News and now we're back, you know, so it's just very cyclical um, if you work at it. It's not been easy and, um, you know, when I started out, I made no money and waited tables and you have to be able to put in your dues and if you can do all that, you can have some great success and some people don't have the patience to do that. Did I take a breath? <laughs> No, but that's, a, that's what I love long. about it. <laughs> right? I know. I'm trained for a half marathon. It's Saturday, so I'm used to I, I, I need to take a breath right now. I'm, I'm good. I feel good about my half marathon. <laughs> All right, Susie, I have to bring it up because we have to talk about it. You know, along the way, you were named the first full-time female sports reporter for KOA. How much did it mean to you to land that role and to be the first woman in that position? That was pretty cool because I didn't know that that I wasn't, um, you know, and so there because there had been Carol McKinley had done some sports on KOA before me. So I don't want to take away from what Carol did, but she wasn't full time sports. So we have to clarify that as the, you know, full time. And um, but it, it was really cool. And I never thought of myself as being like, OK, I'm going to go out and be a trendsetter and be the first female this first female that. I mean, and then, you know, when I got the Broncos sideline thing, it was the first female broadcast, you know, member of the, the Denver Broncos uh, radio broadcast team. And so that was cool, too. And so it's, it's neat to know that um, those opportunities are there. And, and I like to tell women, I'm like, you know, I got that job and I was 49 years old. So you got to be patient and things will happen and they may not happen when you want them to. And there's no saying how many times you can reinvent yourself throughout your life. Just because you're here right now doesn't mean you can't be somewhere else in, you know, two, three, five years. And who knows what you've done in that amount of time and who you may have inspired. And that's what's cool to me too. I have people come up and they're like, oh, I listened to you. You know, my dad used to take me to school and we listened to you on KOA and I loved, you know, and so I got into sports or, you know, which is really cool. It's neat to know. I wish you could know everybody that, that you've, you know, 
inspired along the way, but it's really cool to know that those stories are out there. So that's pretty fun. Well, in terms of broadcasting, it really seems like you have done everything from radio to television, in studio, on sidelines. You've really done it all. But was it difficult switching to a radio sideline role at all? No, not really. Um, because I'd done you know, so much TV where we were like live and post games and things like that. So it was, it was just re getting that exercise muscled again of, of, uh, of being able to be on the fly and ask questions and things like that. So, um, yeah, no, I, cause I've been around so many locker rooms and I had done sidelines for, um, radio for CSU for a few years. So that was back in the late nineties, early two thousands. So like I'd ride a bike. Yeah, I'd done it before, just on a different level. So it was kind of a, a heightened level. And um, and yeah, college charters are very different than NFL charters. So I had, you know, you're a little, you're a little up in the, uh, you know, class, the class uh, ups a little bit when you do the NFL, but it's, it's been so fun. I mean, I'm so thankful and so blessed. So I'm just, it's, it's pretty awesome. When I look at all the things I've done and places I've gone, it's, it's pretty incredible. I have to ask because you have done so much covering these Denver area teams from, you know, the Super Bowls to World Series, Stanley Cup playoffs, you know, you even covered the 2010 Olympics in Vancouver. You have done so much in the sports industry. Is there a particular event or moment that really stands out to you when you look back on your career? Um, Super Bowl 50 stands out because that was incredible. And being a lifelong Broncos fan, that was amazing. The the Rockies in the World Series in 2007 was phenomenal. That was probably one of my most favorite times to cover because it really was a, a crazy energy. Um, covering the Vancouver Olympics, same kind of thing. There was an energy in Vancouver that was undeniable and it was really really awesome and then I loved being a part and this is going to sound weird of the USA Pro Challenge the bike race that was here for five years um, because we were a huge part of it at Nine News the first year and nobody really knew much about bike racing they're like oh another bike race whatever and it was a week long that we stayed with them and followed them all throughout all of the stages and by the time we got back to Denver the crowds had swelled and it was just this huge thing where people were like oh my gosh this is really cool I just got gave myself goosebumps because remember back to that but it was really really cool and it was fun to be a part of something that was like so ground level and we just helped to build it up to get it to this big huge thing that everybody latched onto even though nobody knew anything about bike racing they wanted to be a part of it and see it and watch the guys go by and feel that uh, that energy that they have I keep going back to the word energy but I, I like being around energy so but those are those are some of my favorite things I mean there, there's been a lot of them but those would be the highlights for sure all right, last question for you, Susie. What advice would you give women or really anyone listening who's trying to land a similar role? I think kind of what I've said, Sid, where it's just like you have to be patient and, and also don't go into it with the, um, you know, I'm a woman and so I deserve to get this, 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 and this, and this. I think one of the things that has helped me and my success along the way is feeling equal with the men and just knowing that, okay, if I know my stuff and I know what I'm doing, I don't need to be, you know, the raving, you know, B word and come in and act like I know everything and I deserve it because I'm a woman and, you know, it's all a whole bunch of guys and I just want to, you can make a name for yourself. What I always tell ladies is that because you're a woman, you can actually have great success in this business because you stand out. There are so many men in it. If you know what you're doing, you know what you're talking about and, um, you know, you, you, earn the respect and you, you, you know, just kind of, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to say play the game because that's not what I mean. But if you just, if you just do your work, 
you can stand out and really have great success and be very well respected too. And I, that's the one thing that I have really been fortunate with is that I feel like I have a, a very nice mutual respect with all of our male counterparts that are in this industry and with athletes and things like that. They know that I'm there to do a job. I'm there to interview them. There's no other, you know, no reason now so that I'm, that I'm in there. I'm not there to see them in the locker room or anything like that. And, and they get that. So I would just tell people, tell women especially to, to be patient, um, be respectful. You'll, you will be respected. You earn respect. You can gain respect um, by doing that. And, uh, and listen, I think that's the biggest thing too, that that's hard for people. I would say male or female in our business is listening. And that's the hardest thing to do when you're interviewing people. I'll, I'll see people go do interviews with athletes and they've got their, you know, four questions and, and the athlete may have said something that was just awesome. You're like, Oh my gosh, follow up on that, follow up on that. And they go to the next question and didn't even hear what the, what the answer was. And that's not just an athlete athlete interviews, but that's in anything. Always listen, always meet people, network as much as you possibly can. Well, Susie, thank you so much for joining us here on this episode of The Snap. We really appreciate it. I'm so excited to listen to you on game days, but also I have to say good luck during your race this weekend. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. It's actually one of the very first in-person races we're going to be able to do. So I was, I kept searching. I'm like, there's got to be one coming up. There's got to be. And so there's one in Douglas County. They got a variance to hold the race. So I was like, all right, I'm training. Here we go. You go girl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I look forward to seeing you guys in person, hopefully sometime soon. And, and I appreciate the opportunity to come on this, on the podcast. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the snap. We appreciate all of you for tuning in and taking the time to listen. Make sure to tune back into the Broncos Podcast Network next week as we'll have a very special episode ahead of the Broncos season opener against the Tennessee Titans.